welcome to VB Engage episode 11. My name is Stuart Rogers of VentureBeat and once again I am joined by my awesome and epic marketing technology genius co-star is Travis Wright. Travis, how are you doing today? I am excellent. Thank you for that kind introduction, Mr. Stuart Rogers, who I believe is in San Francisco right now. You just finished uh, Mobile Beat, yes? We did just finish Mobile Beat. Um, I am in San Francisco. It's very bright and sunny outside. I'm not used to that. I normally record this from the United Kingdom, where it is also bright and sunny in the United Kingdom all the time, right? But using CGI technology, we make it look really dark and gray and rainy all the time to stop people coming there. It's amazing. I walk everywhere in San Francisco. It's quite amazing. And, oh, and even though there's a lot of hills, you know, I get a lot of exercise that way. That's I walk great. about uh, 28 miles a week when I'm here. Oh, that's beautiful. Because you're out there now searching for Pokemon, right? I'm always searching for Pokemon. Ever since they brought it out in the UK and I could get it on my app store, um, I have been catching myself some uh, wild Pidgeys. This is the biggest mobile engagement story maybe ever with this Pokemon Go thing, though. Let's get into the news this week because we've got an amazing guest for you today. But I want to get us into the news right now because two big things happened this week that are not Pokemon related but do speak to this entire thing of mobile engagement, right? Mm -hmm. So, number one, mobile attention span. We got a report this week and uh, they were good enough to give it to me to cover as an exclusive. This report took in 10 billion data points, right, from thousands of Android and iOS apps as well as data from Adjust and Appsilar and Localytics. It was put together by a company called Jamp and what they found was pretty scary. Number one, the report showed there's an 88% decrease in consumers' attention span year over year. When you factor that in with all the things being thrown at us, and then when you're also looking at the data showing that there's a 35% decrease in average app session length quarter over quarter, so and then people are downloading less apps, we're using the apps less often, and yet our attention span is ever decreasing, that's fascinating to me. It is. And what it means is that anyone involved in getting an app out to market, you really have to absolutely 100% nail everything. you got to nail your user acquisition. And you have to do that by understanding the segment of people that you're going for. You've got to go for a niche segment of people now. You've got to know exactly who they are before you go for them. And then you've got to nail that. You've got to nail the experience. Your app has to be perfect. And I know that sounds crazy because... A couple of years ago, we were saying, get the damn thing out the door. Don't wait for perfection. Perfection is unachievable, right? Right, right. The Guy Kawasaki thing. Hey, just get it out there, right? Don't worry. Be crappy. Not, that doesn't work today. No, you better be polished. That, yeah, exactly. It got to perfect now, and mm -hmm. that's crazy. Walk around the Facebook offices, and it says, just ship it. No, that's not going to work anymore. There are some things you can do, though. One of the things that you can do is you can soft launch your app in a very small country that has a similar demographic to the one that you're targeting, right? So, for example, you want to launch in the United States of America? Soft launch it in the Netherlands first. Measure everything on just the Netherlands version of the app. If you launch it in America with a small beta, well, it's already in the Apple 
you know, store. And what happens then is you don't get that bump that you would normally get. You know, you, you so what is it? What they said, like every download counts as 12 downloads in the first four hours, whenever this thing goes live or something like that. So it's almost like you get an exponential yeah. powered by when, well, as soon as you launch it and then send it all out to your homies and get some growth immediately because each one of those users does count higher, much higher. And, you know, there's another thing that happened this week outside of the world of Pokemon that links in with all of this mobile attention span stuff. You've heard of Facebook Instant Articles, right? Absolutely. Google's got their competitive product, the Accelerated Mobile Pages, or AMP, as which, people call it. Absolutely, which was, uh, I was at SMX Advance. I was a speaker over there, and they had uh, several people from Google. They actually had the, man, the main head of search there at the event. He had talked about how important Google AMP is to having that on your website because it speeds your website up so tremendously. It's, it's If you're in mobile, if you're building your website out, Google is really looking at that as a key ranking factor. So Google AMP is important. Now, Facebook kind of has their own mix on this that's right and for the first time facebook are bringing instant articles to facebook messenger if people are allowed to talk to you directly using messenger you can now feed them instant articles that open lightning fast and that's super important for all the reasons we just talked about those attention spans are dropping 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 right absolutely and so what's going to happen is in the messenger experience uh, there's going to be a lightning bolt on the top right corner of the links shared in Messenger, and that indicates that that's, a, that's an instant article, and you're going to open it up, and you're going to actually see an optimized version of that page. Now, if we click on a link that's Fox News, that's a Fox. we're going to foxnews.com, or is it still within the Facebook? Two points here. Um, first of all, this is the first time instant articles are outside of the Facebook app, right? So uh, Messenger is a separate app. It's mm-hmm. by Facebook, but right, it's a separate right. app. They mm-hmm. split it out. They wanted everybody on Messenger. You know, unless you've changed your default settings, when you click one of those lightning bolts, it's just going to open that article instantly um, in a split second within the Messenger app, right? It's just going to slide straight Mm -hmm. in. You're not going to go out to the Facebook browser or if you've changed your settings, go out to Chrome or whatever is your favorite browser. It's just going to look like that article is loaded instantaneously. So it's keeping you inside Messenger, it's opening instantly, it's keeping your attention, it's getting you straight into that. And the second thing is that we must remember that whenever we talk about Fox, we have to drop the word news because it's much more accurate. Let's just be (laughs) much, much more honest about Fox. Um, This is where it's all going, and this is where mobile engagement is going. These are the things that publishers, that app developers, that marketers have to get their head around. This attention span issue and things that people like Facebook and Google are doing to help you with that by having these instant articles and accelerated mobile pages, you've got to take advantage of them. And you've got to ship a perfect product, so you must take advantage of soft launching. Because otherwise, you're just not going to keep people's attention. It's as simple as that. Haven't we got a fantastic guest today? Tell us all about it, Travis. Stuart, we're going to love it. Today, we have Peter Shankman. He's amazing. He brings the thunder on a lot of different areas here. So it's very, very good. Very good stuff. One of the things I really like about Peter is you know his give to get mindset and one of the things that we're going to learn today is is how to scale that so uh, yeah really looking forward to it the news has been fun this week with, uh, with all of this intention span stuff and instant articles and you know all of that good thing but uh, let's not make any bones about it once we get into the interview with peter and get out of here and uh, let you get back to your lives. I know you're just going to be picking up your phone and going to uh, catch them all again, but uh, we always really appreciate you listening to VP Engage in the meantime. Absolutely. 
All right, we have a great treat for us today. We have with us the one and only Peter Shankman. He is an entrepreneur. He is an author. He is a speaker, a worldwide connector, recognized worldwide for radically new ways of thinking around customer service and entrepreneurship and social media, PR, marketing, and advertising. He is an advisor at Dynamic Signal. He is the founder of Shank Minds, which is a business mastermind community, which is very interesting. He has a new podcast out called Faster Than Normal. And you may know him for his uh, founding of Harrow, which is Help a Reporter Out. And today, Peter is helping a couple of brothers out by being on the VB Engage podcast. So, Peter, welcome to VB Engage. Thank you. You know, listening to you, I realize I just do too much stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And also, we've just come up with a new business idea, Hackbo. Help a couple of brothers out. Yeah, I love it. I love it, Hackbo. We should do Hackbo. (laughs) Hackbo. Very nice. The other thing uh, that people don't know about Peter, of course, you know, apart from uh, all of the uh, skydiving that he does, and and you're not the first skydiver we've had on VB Engage. I have to tell you, you join the ranks with uh, Talia Wolf, the uh, ah, C- of CEO of Conversioner, who's done uh, many a jump. Yeah, and you've done triathlons as well. Well, Iron Man, yeah. But most importantly of all, you have a wonder cat called NASA. I have a wonder cat called NASA and a wonder child, a three year old wonder child called Jessa. <laughs> Good stuff. So, so I mean, you know, being a crazy cat guy, I'm basically honing in on the uh, the cat thing. All about the crazy cat guy. It's got to be done. Let's talk about your podcast for a second. I know we're on our podcast, but I want to talk <laughs> about your podcast because you have been very open and honest with us about the numbers that you have achieved with your podcast in the early days. And that's really very cool. And I, I want to get to the bottom of, uh, well, not necessarily the bottom of it, but let's, let's skim the surface in a really shallow <laughs> way of uh, how you got to the numbers that you got to within the time that you have and, and what that's really all about and uh, how you've achieved that. Tell us, tell us more about your podcast and tell us more about the early results. Yeah, so Faster Than Normal is a podcast that focuses on the benefits of ADHD as opposed to thinking of it as a curse. I'm trying to change the conversation around ADHD. I've always, I always knew I had something. You know, you, you don't be as strange as I am without actually having a label for it. But when I was growing up, there was no label for it. It was called Sit Down, You're Disrupting the Class. And so I figured out probably in my 20s, okay, I'm different, I'm weird. So what can I do to capitalize on that? And, you know, it came from mostly if you're different and weird growing up, you're going to get picked on. You're going to get made fun of. So you have two options. You can go and cry, which I did a lot of, or you can learn to ignore it and just keep doing your thing. So for me, I launched this podcast because I just know, you know, 25% of the adult community is going to be diagnosed with ADHD, higher numbers than that for kids. It simply means that our brains work faster than the normal brain. And if you know how to manage that, it's actually a tremendous benefit. Added bonus, if you don't have ADHD, you can learn a ton from people who do and who have learned to manage it. So I knew I had a lot of information I wanted to share. So just at a whim, I put together a, a webinar and I said, hey, I'm going to share my tricks and tips on how I use ADHD. If anyone wants to uh, use it, feel free. And um, I posted it just in the social channels and got something along the lines of 8,000 people who signed up for the webinar, which was just obscene. So I took this group and I said, okay, I've got a mailing list here. Maybe I should turn this into something. So I launched the podcast. And I'm just at the belief that you have to, it, it's a, a line from Game of Thrones, embrace your weaknesses, use them as a shield, and no one can ever harm you with them. I think it was Tyrion Lannister who said that, uh, and then he got drunk. So <laughs> m- my basic premise is it's a weakness for me that's actually a gift. 
And so as long as I know how to utilize it, I realize not everyone can write a best-selling book on a flight to Tokyo and back when the only reason you're going on a flight to Tokyo and back is to write the book. You have absolutely no reason to be in Tokyo. You just need 31 hours on a plane where you can get shit done. And so if you're going to be that different, why not share that skill and share that ability with the world? So that's how I launched. And I think that the reason I've gotten the numbers I've gotten is simply because I'm, I'm that open and that honest about it. You know, I, I know that people look at ADHD as a curse. Oh, my God, I'm, not, I'm different. That's not okay. Different is awesome. And so the emails that I've gotten are even better than the numbers. I've gotten emails from parents. Hey, I shared your podcast with my 12-year-old who, for the first time, realizes that it's okay to be different. And he came home happy from school for the first time. And I'm like, awesome. I'm really fortunate that I can do this. And uh, yeah, uh, the podcast, uh, fasterthannormal.com. And we'd love to uh, have everyone listen. And if you have ADHD, shoot me a note and we'll get you on the podcast as well. How much of the success of this, do you think, <laughs> is because you are taking something that is normally talked about in relatively negative terms? Like, you know, you have ADHD, therefore it's, it's something that has to be dealt with. It's, it's a negative connotation. You've turned that into a positive thing. Most people haven't embraced ADHD from a positive perspective. So you've got a very unique piece of content there. And, and one of the things I'm always banging on about with, with Travis, we've talked about this a lot, is if you're strolling through you know, something like businesstocommunity.com or whatever and you see you know, for the 10th time that day five ways to use Snapchat for your business, <laughs> right? you're not going to read them because they're not unique content. We see it every single day. Um, how much of this is because of the uniqueness of the content, because you've taken something and, and put a really positive spin on it? I like to think that's definitely part of it. You drive to work every day. How many Hondas do you see? You have no idea. But you see a Lamborghini, you're going to remember that, right? So you want to be a little different. That's, that's a benefit. But I think the other thing is, is that, and again, this comes from growing up the way I did, there's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with coming up with different ways of thinking and sharing that. I think the majority of the reason that better ideas are not shared is because people are afraid of the reaction they're going to get. People have been telling me I'm crazy for 30 years. So why not try something different? When I wanted to start my PR firm, I had no money, and it was the summer of 98, and the movie Titanic was coming out on video. So I took my rent money, and I had 500 T-shirts printed up that read it, sank, get over it. I figured if I could sell 180 shirts, I'd break even. If not, I was homeless. I sold 506 hours, leaked the story to USA Today. They ran out the front page. I sold 10,000 shirts on the web, cleared 100 grand. When I told my parents what I did after the fact, they're like, so all they focused on, so you used your rent money Right. And potentially had no money. And my premise is, yeah, but it worked. <laughs> and they're like, but what if it didn't? I'm like, but it did. You know, and so <laughs> always nice. that. It's like, why not just take that risk? I, I started my, my firm and I asked myself one basic question. What is the worst thing that can happen? Right. And my tagline's always been, if everything else fails, I'll just go get a job. Right. It's been almost 20 years and I've never had to do that. So I'm kind of lucky. Yeah, that's beautiful. I want to ask you about this because, you know, we live in a day where there are so many distractions. And, you know, the name of our show is Engage. We, 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 we love engagement. But as Stuart had just mentioned, there's so much content out there. And we have our mobile phones and we're, we, we get all these messages and we're bombarded with, with all of these different things all the time. And people are picking up their phone and checking it 150 plus times a day. What are some maybe some tips and tricks for the audience here that could help them maybe manage some of that? How can they turn their innate distraction into a positive? What are a couple hacks that you found that work really well? I'm sorry, what I was looking at my iPhone watch. No, um, what I think, it comes down to four basic tricks. The first one is the basic premise of transparency. 
Okay, people who trust you will listen to you longer and listen to you more. If they don't trust you or think you're trying to sell them something, they won't pay attention. Uh, the second one is the concept of relevance. You need to be relevant to your audience, which means finding out how they like to get their information. Okay, if you prefer to get your information, there's still probably six people in this world who prefer to get their information by fax. If they're your customers, you better have a fax machine. The third, you think you control the direction of your company, but your customers do. So be relevant to the way they want their information. I get my info at 3.30 in the morning when I'm running. That's my time, right? So I listen to my podcasts at 3.30 in the morning. If you have a podcast and I like your content, chances are I'm going to be much more engaged with you because you're giving me information the way that I want. If you have a magazine or an email newsletter, chances of my reading it are minimal just because I don't have the time. Brevity is huge. Know that despite how loyal your audience is and how engaged they are, they still only have about 2.7 seconds on any given day. So brevity comes from good writing, good communication, learn to write, learn to spell. One of every 2.5 corporate homepages in America has a spelling or grammatical error on the homepage. Uh, it's just some research we did for the last book. How can I trust you to wash my car, walk my dog, fly me somewhere, build my site, whatever, if you can't even freaking spell? Right? This isn't rocket science. So just become better at the basics, the basics of brevity, the basics of communication, I tell anyone who works for me, if they, have any pub- if they do anything public-facing, which almost everyone who works for me does, I'll pay for them to take an improv class. Right? Improv is awesome. I want them to be able to answer the one question improv teaches, which is, um, and then. Mm-hmm. Right? If you can answer and then without stuttering or without getting flustered, you-, you own the game. So know that. And then the fourth rule is just basically the concept of top of mind. You want to reach out to your audience and give your audience things when they don't need things. When you're not trying to sell them anything, you want to offer them information, you want to offer them good advice, you want to offer them the ability to say, how can I help you? The most underutilized five words in the, in the, in the English language, how can I help you? How can I help you? Yeah, five words. The most overused words are, look what I did, right? If I walk up to a woman uh, at a bar who I've never met before and go, you don't know me, but I'm amazing in bed, you should come home with me, she's going to throw a drink in my face. I've done a lot of research, that's exactly what's going to happen. But, <laughs> but if she's sitting there with her best friend and her best friend sees me and I've done something beneficial to her best friend, I've helped her with a project or whatever, I've just offered advice, or she knows me from my online persona. She goes, holy shit, that's Peter Shankman. I've heard of him. He has a cat. He's a, a three-year-old. You have a three-year-old. You have a cat. You guys should totally, I'm going to bring him over here. You should be, at the very least, I'm getting the girl's number because it comes from a trusted source. That's top of mind. She thinks enough of me to recommend me. And that's where we're going in the social world. When I land in San Francisco right now, and I take, go to Google Maps, and I take, show me steakhouses near my hotel, Google will show me all the steakhouses near my hotel, but at the top of the map will be the steakhouses any of my friends have gone to. And only if they've had a good experience. And what's interesting, it's not about a review. It's about how much time have they spent there? Have they been there more than once? Were the tweets, posts, Instagrams, whatever, what was the sentiment of those posts? That's where we're moving. So imagine a world where you don't have to friend, fan, follow, or like anyone. It's simply the actions that you take every single day. When I used to drink, uh, there was a Mexican place near my apartment that had ridiculously liberal pores. They loved me. I would never walk out of there sober. And ironically, two weeks after I quit drinking, they shut down. I don't think it's connected, but it scared me. Um, <laughs> nice. That's an insider trading deal. Like, seriously, right? <laughs> Jesus. You know, it's like, oh, my God, Peter, stop drinking and stop eating pizza. The half, the half of New York City is now plunging in the market. <laughs> but um, the premise was I went there all the time. Google knew that, right? I don't need to leave a review that says I like the place. I know, they know I like the place. I'm there all the time. I don't need to like their page. All I have to do is simply keep going there, and Google's going to say, when, when you come into town, oh, you know Peter Shankman, you want Mexican food? Well, you know, he always went to the Tacosina. Why don't you try it? What's cool about that is that we can finally, as a society, we can stop chasing the likes and start doing more likable things, which is simply, again, engaging, talking, asking how I can help. No one gives a shit about what you're doing if you're the one that has to tell them. So create good things, offer advice, offer help. Barry Diller used to do that when he took over at Paramount. He'd call five people in his Rolodex and say, what, what are you working on? How can I help? And in uh, 10 years, he turned Paramount to the first billion-dollar studio in Hollywood. So this isn't rocket science, guys. It's really not. Yeah. Yeah, it works for individuals, right? There's a couple of things when it comes to individuals. Um, you've got one camp where everyone is building their personal profiles and they're you know, the selfie generation. 
It's all sort of me, me, me. And that works for them because, you know, those people are selling $9.99 per month courses on how to do exactly what they're doing. And, you know, they get, uh, they get a couple of thousand people subscribed to that and they're happy because it's a lifestyle business. So who am I to say that that's wrong, right? You've got the other people on an individual basis who, you know, think very much the way you think. And it's, it's about uh, giving to get and, you know, it comes around to you and you get a great reputation. But how do we scale that? How does a business do that give to get at scale so that it's they very, can, you it's know. It's very easy. That. Every employee at the company has to understand that they are the customer service team. There isn't a customer service department, it is the company. It's a company called Steiner Sports, they're a multi-million dollar um, sports memorabilia store or, or company. They, they sell the New York Mets with actual dirt from the city field, whatever, it's, it's them. If the customer service line rings, it rings to every single phone in the office, like 200 employees, from the guy working in the warehouse all the way up to the CEO. Whoever gets it first, answers it. That's how they do customer service. Everyone should be involved. And you know, it has to come from the CEO and work its way downward. And the CEO, I'm not saying the CEO needs to be tweeting and, and, and posting, but if the CEO believes in this, then they have to be sharing and they have to be willing to share that stuff. And, and you know, that's why I love Dynamic Signal so much. I love being a, an advisor to them is because they, they make it so freaking simple with their app to just get on there and it's like, you know, click share. I use it that app probably like three or four times a day because it's actually useful information that can help the people in my audience. Hannibal Lecter in Sounds of the Lambs. I'm probably the only person to ever quote Sounds of the Lambs in your podcast, so take that. But Hannibal Lecter from Sounds of the Lambs said that we covet what we know, which means that people who follow me follow me because they have similar interests to me. So if I'm sharing stuff for them, that's what they want. I actually have a philosophy on that. And when you talk about you know adding value and what can I do for you, and a lot of times I think the way that I work is I'll do lots and lots of favors for other people, and I rarely ever ask for anything. Yeah. You know, I, I call it ask, kiss it forward. <laughs> you, you, could do, you could do a favor for someone, and then it, but you know what? If I need something down the road and I've helped them out, then they're going to be more than likely to help, help out. What drives yeah. me crazy is the, is the people who you don't hear from them in six years, and the first email you get from them is, hi, I'm running a 10K for charity. I would love it if you donate. I'm like, I haven't heard from you. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you about Shank Mines because – you know, I think that entrepreneurs need a place to go to interact and engage with other entrepreneurs. And you've created a pretty interesting organization that, that's starting to thrive. I'd love for you to maybe tell us more about the genesis of Shank Minds and how entrepreneurs are benefiting from that. So I run a mastermind called Shank Minds. It is 100, about 150 people. And we are an online group at shankminds.com. And we are a forum-based group, a chat-based group, community-based group with live office hours with me and everyone in the group about twice a week. Why do I run this? Because entrepreneurship is a lonely, lonely road. I cannot tell you how many times I have wanted to be able to share something with someone and there's no one around. Or even worse, you're involved with someone, personal relationship or whatever, and you want to tell them your exciting news or whatever, and they just don't get it. And it's not they're bad people. It's just they're not in that mindset. They work for big companies. They get direct deposit. They have you know, an HR department. We don't have any of that. I've lost a few people who took their own lives because they didn't feel like they could share. They didn't have anyone to talk to. And I want to do something to fix that. For me, one of those things is starting, a, starting this group. It's priced at, like I think, eight lattes a month is the cost. I'm not trying to make a fortune out of this. But it's a way for entrepreneurs to talk to other entrepreneurs about not only about what they're doing, but what they've done and how it worked. And oh yeah, I did that last month or last year. Here's my advice. Here's what worked for me. The benefit there is that it helps people understand A, they're not alone and B, someone else has focused on this already. Someone else has probably been in your shoes and had this problem and there are ways out of it. The biggest issue for why I launched this is because 
everyone emails, calls, reaches out, hey, Peter, can I pick your brain about something? Which I love to do. I'm happy to give you 10 minutes. But problem was, I was getting to the point where my assistant actually said, you know, you got to stop doing this. You have your time. And I said, but I want to keep doing it. How can I make this work for everyone? So now I have a group of 150 people, and it's growing by the day, who are able to share with each other as well as me. I'm smart enough and humble enough to say, you know what, I don't know all the goddamn answers. Mm -hmm. But in a group of 150 people, the signal-to-noise ratio is such that I bet someone does. So it's it's exciting. I like seeing it grow, and and it's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely it is. Um, Thank you so much for for putting that together. Yeah. you know, Peter, we could talk for hours, literally hours on this. We, we might have to have you back again in a, in a future episode. Love but for, for now, we have to say au revoir or any other language you'd like to, uh, to choose for saying uh, goodbye. Thank you so much for being with us today. It's been really inspiring and interesting. Best of luck with your podcast. We might have to hire you to, uh, to promote this one for us. It's been fantastic. Thanks so much, Peter, for, for being part of BB Engage today. Pleasure was mine, guys. All right, good stuff. Thank you so much to Mr. Peter Shankman for his epic interview. Always a great time with that guy. Love Shankman and his shank mind. If you did not tune in last week, make sure you tune in. We had the godfather of MarTech, the marketing technology wizard behind the curtain of the marketing technology landscape, Mr. Scott Brinker. And that was a very, very insightful interview. So if you haven't had a a chance to check out episode number 10, oh my, next week we have a super, super awesome guest with Mr. Brian Solis. Some people call him Brian Solis. Some people call him Brian Solis. Solis. People call him all kinds of things, but his name is Brian Solis, and he is with us next week. So again, thank you for tuning in to this. If you do enjoy the podcast, feel free to subscribe to it. If you really like it, feel free to rate and review. If you do not like it, feel free to email Stuart. So with that, I want to say thank you for myself. I'm going to say goodbye. And Stuart. I'm going to say adieu. Thanks again. We'll see you on episode 12 next week.